what Joel said about not becoming gimmicky is I was actually going to reference uh, Bar Rescue as well because there is one specific episode where these this woman decided to open up a bar in like right outside of Washington DC and it was like a pirate theme bar oh yeah yeah it just just so far-fetched because that's what her fantasy was nobody else gave a shit or if they did they would go once for like a year the novelty of it kind of exactly just to freaking do it once never again and that I think is is getting into the whole way too gimmicky. Like you actually have to find a niche or, or you know a group of people out there, a cult following that you can actually have a following. Well, Draw somebody that, in and keep them in. Yeah, and that and that's an example of something that there really isn't a hole in the market there. No, like, and, and there really in isn't. That's when you is start not, your own business. There is not a of hole something in the you love, not that people will love. I forget what you called it. What do you? Uh, some, you know, you have an idea and you just can't let it go, and you need to let it go from a business perspective. Killing the darling. Oh, yeah. ki- kill your yeah, darlings. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah kill you your darlings, have to. Yeah. You know, you can't get into it so emotionally attached with what you're obsessed with because at the end of the day, we could all be weirdos in our own way. Yeah. You might be yeah. a weirdo yeah. in this case. Yeah. Don't yeah. start. You a found the sweet spot because I'm obviously you love this. You yeah. love brewing. You love books. You love games, and this yeah. is kind of the culmination of all of that into one. It's doing very well. So, like, you kind of won the lottery with that. I mean, that's fantastic. And yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, thanks. And you know what? I won't take the credit. I'll tell you very specifically what I did is, you know, again, this is really creepy. It really is. I'll preface it with that. This, this, right. is, this, this is, is a super, weird start. <laughs> this, is, this is a super creepy story. But the creepiness factor wasn't what I took away. It was the lesson. And it was this. So I'm at home. I was a stay-at-home dad for two years which was seriously the most difficult two years that I've ever spent in the workforce. I'll consider it workforce. Uh, I love my daughter more than anything. I feel like I was put on this planet to be a dad. Um, I, I love being a dad, but it is, it is super, super hard. It is super hard. Not, not just not physically, but mostly just mentally. And I think a lot of it is like psychological conditioning for men in general. Like you're supposed to be the breadwinner. You're supposed to be the, and, and I'm, and I totally support your family. Yeah. Yeah. That bullshit. So like I totally, anyway, and, and what that, that, again, that's a whole nother podcast. But the point of that is I'm at home watching Netflix nap time. There's some documentary on, and I don't even remember what it was called, but I know that it was about Second Life. So if you haven't heard about Second Life, have you? No. Have you? The um, virtual reality. Yes. It's like a massive multiplayer online, La Mopa, right? Except it's not like World of Warcraft where you're, I think, like battling things. It's essentially there are people who literally make their living off of it. So they highlighted a woman in Detroit, for instance, who had a basement with all the screens like she was a day trader, except she was an interior designer for Second Life. So she people paid her real money to interior be 
interior design their houses in Second Life. So it's like a virtual reality? Like- it's, it's like a virtual reality type thing. So it, it is just like it sounds, Second Life. So you design your character. You go raving, or you become a so drug addict, sim- or you... similar to World of Warcraft, but not actually fighting. Like you don't have a headset. No, there's no, reality. there's no fighting. There's no like end game. There's no missions or level it's just up a or screen whatever. You are the second. You literally person, like pay money. You oh, put wow. real money like in. Sims ish, but it's, not... yeah, it's the Sims, but a skin. You're not like uh, I, I don't know. For, I don't want to upset uh, anybody yeah. that's listening to uh, it, yeah, but like, never... but like literally, she's. I'll just say this: she's getting paid. So the whole idea of this game. When it was first started, they talked to the creators, and the creators said, and this is what hit me, when we started Second Life, we didn't put this world for people to live in. We put an island that was empty, and we said, here's the infrastructure, and certainly they've upgraded their software over time, okay? hmm. but they said, here's the infrastructure. Make of it what you will. Wow. So the people came in. They designed the characters, they built buildings, they built cities, hmm. they became interior designers, they became police officers, they became, they, the, the, created pe- the, so- the people society, if you will. created the content, the owners created the infrastructure, and the people then have become like, maybe unhealth, not maybe, they've become unhealthily sort of connected to this. Why? Because escapism, because of acceptance, because they feel like they belong, maybe where the world in general says they don't. And, you know, I think that's the basis of any cult, right? Mm-hmm. That, that, that's where any cult yeah. leader sort of preys upon people who feel like they don't belong, feel like they don't have a place, feel like... So, again, that's the creepy side of things. Now, to use that for the positive, that, that's where I wanted to take from that. It's like, okay, I have an idea. These are the things I want to do. This is what books and brews this idea is to me. But at the same time, I don't want to be so invested in this that I'm not going to listen to the people that come. I'm not going to take the direction that they want us to take. And every step of the way, I've really challenged myself when people have given me um, suggestions to say yes. When can I say yes? I want to say yes as much as possible. One of my employees comes to me and they say, hey, we should put this sandwich on the, on the menu. Yes. Sure. Let's do it. See what happens. Hey, and a, a customer's like, hey, you should call this beer this. The next time they come in, or I, you know, so we had a guy that worked at Home Depot here across the street, and he would come in and goes, hey, you should do an orange wheat called Clockwork Orange. Two weeks later, he was in here, and we had Clockwork, Clockwork Orange on draft, and he was like, whoa, whoa. That was <laughs> that's my, freaking awesome. And that's something that people, I think, aren't expecting because they're expecting businesses to have this sort of dictatorship Role. I'm not going to listen to you. This is what your experience is here. We are Applebee's, and this is your fried chicken sampler platter or whatever. <laughs> you know, no, you cannot have that without ranch. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you know, but but no. I mean, so the idea of allowing the customer con- to control their experience. So for some people, like this woman in Detroit, she is an interior designer. Some people do other things. Some people, another pr- people that they, again, super creepy that they. Um, highlighted were people that actually kind of hooked up in real life after mm. having a virtual affair in uh, Second Life, then met each other in real life and had a real affair. So each his own, I guess. Super creepy. Okay, yeah. no it works for them. Well, I mean, again, the, whatever. The, key, the reason yeah. the reason I'm, I'm looking down on it is the fact that it wasn't it's an affair. affair. It really, yes, really, yes. really was oh. a. If they really were, two were these people were married. Two characters. Oh, okay. Yeah, two these people were married in real life. Yeah, yeah so never mind. Then. But that if they weren't married, yeah, yeah, if, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if they weren't married, then certainly. Okay, so it was a legitimate. It was legitimate adultery situation. Yeah, so changes things. Yeah, so um, but again, the creepy thing wasn't my takeaway. The takeaway was that 
um, the business model of creating infrastructure that you believe in, allowing the people to create the content and control their experience is really what I think the reason why, number one, I haven't roadblocked any direction here. It's like, oh, people want to, for instance, when we expand to next door, I was just thinking, hey, we're just going to be storage space. Well, then I got someone called, hey, can, what, can I bring my computer in and put the Colts game up for the playoffs last year? And I said, yes. Now, it's industrial, but as a matter of fact, that's such a great idea that I'm going to put my own projection TV in and try to leverage business that way. So, I mean, that, that's just the fact of, you know, allow people to show you the way because they will. The customers will show you where they want the business to go.
Now, certainly there's some criticism where you have to be able to say that's just not viable, right? We're some not people just put so, sand and beer. Or yeah, that's or this or this is a yeah, this is a terrible idea. Yeah, one of our inside jokes here is uh <laughs> So we're always because we do a five gallon Friday every week. We put something weird in beer, and that is um, who's putting sand in beer. Nobody's no putting sand in beer. Nobody's putting we'll be sand the in only beer. Ones. We're going to be the first people to put sand in beer. That was going to be our. <laughs> Who doom. else is doing it? Was that right. our Mad Max theme beer? Was going to be. <laughs> that was we're one trying to figure out. We're trying to figure out what the hell are we going to do for Mad Max? For the record, we did not do that. No. Did not. And I bet I bet Matt cringes every time he hears this. Oh like yeah, that. I guarantee. I can only imagine. Matt cringes a lot of things. He's we the did. straight man in the company. No, Matt. Well, is, Matt is terrific. No, he is awesome. That again, that is a whole other podcast in terms of staffing. No, I'll just I'll say this one thing and then we'll move on because I really want to talk about competition, and that is, um, we, we talked about this in the first very first podcast, and that is being able to identify what you do well in terms of being a good self evaluator. So I'm I'm very much an idea guy. I come with an ideas, and then I can hand them off to people. Now, with that said, like in order to make that operate as a business, I need to have an operations guy, and that is Matt, our GM here, is about as good as it gets. I mean, he really, really is. So you have to understand, like, if you're an operations guy, then you need an idea person because you're not going to be able to come up with enough promotions to keep your place afloat. And, again, that's a whole other episode. But that is very much our dynamic here that we've been able to create. So hopefully I can chain Matt to a table here and not let him go ever. (laughs) Um, He likes it too much. It's it's the same thing. I mean, it's the same thing everywhere in your business is – understandings people we've talked about this a couple times like you don't you don't ask a fish to climb a tree yeah you know and if you do it's your fault like it is your you cannot blame that fish for not being able to climb failure yeah you can't you know oh why can't you climb a tree fish you know (laughs) like you you sound like an asshole saying something like that (laughs) but like it but but it happens all the time to bosses like you take someone you hire them for a position where they are not a fit is just not going to work out and then you get pissed off at them and fire them because they can't do that job well they're they can't Okay, that's not their skill set. That's okay. That's okay. Um, but it, it's not up to you to get pissed off about it. It's silly. It's not worth it either. No. All right. Well, we'll move on from that. I'll say one more thing about finding a hole in the market. Here's there's a movie, American Gangster. Have you seen it? It's been Denzel a while. Washington, right? Denzel Washington. Yeah. Obviously, it's a movie about Denzel being a drug dealer. So not good. So I would not suggest that. Bad but news. there's there's one line in there that Denzel says, man, that if you want to be in business, it's as very simple as this, and that is you want to have a better product at a better price. And if you can have a better product at a better price, you're going to have success. And, uh, you know, obviously you have to have marketing. That's all about finding a hole in the in the business. But as long as your product is good and as long as your price is good, you know, and then you can find a way to appeal to the people. Yep. Then you're going to have success, man. Which appealing to the people, I feel like, also sets it apart. Going back to what totally. we were talking about earlier is, you know, local. When I go somewhere, I'm like, hey, what do you have local? This, that, whatever. And, you know, we all kind of connect because we're all working together more or less, blah, blah, blah. It's a community. Yeah. One thing I will strongly also say is you can have the best product on the market. And if you're an asshole, good luck to you. <laughs> yeah. Very true. I mean, I don't mean that harsh, but seriously... If you're like, oh, my product is superior, no matter if your product is or not. I don't know why from that guy. If you, yeah, if you go out and treat people like that, you could have the most awesome product. And the second they try that, then as you're being an asshole, your brain is going to flip and say, this sucks. 
Yeah. I, you know what I mean? I'm just going to end up writing a book about this stuff. Because <laughs> yeah. I mean, these are all chapters that I could write a whole book. I'll write the forward. That I, yeah, thank you, Joel. You're welcome. Yeah. The forward, yeah. But, and that, and that one. is... Slapped one. And that is... Um, what were we talking about? <laughs> we were going to go exactly. into competitiveness and competitiveness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes. I do, I do um, want to just mention briefly, you're talking about being an asshole. Yes. And... Um, Gosh, man, what was the point I was going to make Jason's there? Jason's looking directly at me for some reason. I don't know what's going <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, no. <laughs> you know, perfect. Anybody that comes in your head, you have to, to be you approachable. Yada, yada, yada. You're the most approachable guy, and you'll sit down and talk to oh, anybody, yeah, yeah, and yeah, you'll yeah, leave yeah. a good okay. taste in their mouth. Yeah. Not gross. Joel, yeah. you're looking at me no, weird. No, no, no. It's a weird way to say it. And this is something that I really stress to my staff, and, and um, I need to take more time to to step aside with that and that is this and I think when it comes to being an asshole because a lot of times like even if people are nice I find myself if you find yourself at a restaurant that even um, I, I was at a restaurant here and I won't name it because we go there all the time and I still like it it's not so this doesn't turn me off it's just the Mac matter that is super awkward there's a manager even if they're nice they come around and if they give you like the script the script yeah, the, yeah. The, the script voice of Hi, how's everyone doing here? Mm-hmm. How is your dinner? Can I get anything for you? I can't get better if you don't tell me. It what's almost wrong. is like it, it almost like turns you off. It's like it's, it's like, like no, get the fuck out of here. I'm not being personable whatsoever. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. I, like, I'm being the robot like, I've been trained to break be. Break the script. Yes, yes. So be the, a human being. Yes, for the that love is. Of God. Oh my god. So that's one of the things. Like I super stress is I, I don't know what you normally. I, I tell everyone this is that the best compliment that you can make and anyone who initially comes in the door is for them to go, do we know each other? Because what that is saying is you're being so casual or you're being so friendly that it makes them feel like you've met before. Yep. And I guarantee you're not going to do that with, hi, welcome to Books and Brews. I'll be your server for the evening or I'll be taking care of you guys. Like, just <laughs> save that shit. Just save that I'm dude. Shiloh. <laughs> dude, do not say that I'll be taking care of you tonight. Yeah. Do not say that. That is dog shit. That is cliche. Hey, how are you doing today? Have just, you ever been here before? I just, I mean, I, I, I don't yeah. care what you say. I don't, I don't tell people what they have to say. I just say break the script. Yeah. So for me personally, it's like, what's up guys? What's going yeah. on today? How you doing today? Like, that's not hard, right? You say homie a lot. I like that. I say homie? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. 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 What's up, homie? How you what's doing? Up, I love it. It's yeah. how you Jason, makes, yeah, which makes me feel yeah, welcome. Yeah. I'm not like, hey, what's up, guys or gentlemen, whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah. like you talk to talk to somebody like you want to be talked to, not like yeah. not a robot, not a script. Yeah. No, just be laid and, back and, I'll and tell you, be yourself. And again, this is a whole other segment, but I will tell you what happens when you throw people off of a script is they wake up. And yes. I, and I'll tell you this: if you want to know what I'm talking about, next time you go to a fast food restaurant and someone says, "Hi, my name is Jason. How may I help you?" Go like this. Go, toodaloo, my friends. <laughs> and I guarantee they'll go, what? <laughs> and like all of their defenses will totally come down or, or say whatever. You know, people, very true. People, or, you know, this is what you get most of the time in places like, like, hey, how are you doing today? That, that's like the number one thing to say that makes it sound like it's not a script, but it's totally their own script. Mm-hmm. And, just go, and just go like this. Um, if I was any happier, I have two first names or something like really <laughs> off the wall. And people go, what? Really kind <laughs> just of like a shitty day today. Kind of laugh. And no, yeah, throw yeah, throw people off. That's very true. And if you throw people, person? if you throw people off that script, they totally become normal all of a sudden. That's true. Well, they, they become they, humans. They, yeah. they, what's funny is, is when you catch them immediately not listen and just give their bullshit response to what you're saying. Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm doing well. Wait a minute, what? What? And then, yeah, you're right. Then you get their attention. Then it's, yeah. Then it's and, actually, and you know oh, what? We're, we're two people individually talking now. 
And it's not just the crappy interaction that you're used to back and forth. Yeah. And that is awesome. Hey, how you doing? Good. Thank you for asking. Good. Now get on my face so I can ask the next person. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I was just skating on the rainbow earlier today and it was lovely. Wait, what? So that is, I mean, that's a big deal. So to to, uh, backtrack, A, you got to have a hole in the market. If you don't have a hole in the market, it's time to seriously scrap it. It's not worth the effort. Or listen to the customers you may have. So not only a hole in the market, but also location. I'm going to talk about location on a whole other episode because that's a whole other half-hour topic. Uh, find an angle. Take it down. Better product. Better price. Simple as it comes. Um, allow people to have their, you know, their control on your business at a healthy level. not just. Um, so, for instance, like at Books and Brews, the musicians might say, man, Books and Brews to me is a great open mic venue. People who come to gaming might be like, Books and Brews is the best place I can go to play games. People who like craft beer might be like, man, Books and Brews has a new beer every Friday. That's the place I love. You know, So you have multiple demographics that the, that the business is something totally different to. And that is so cool to me. I mean, seriously, it, it totally makes me extremely happy that I can be different things to different people and allow people to have you know, their experience. What you're, I think what you're giving people is a, is a sense of empowerment and um, I'm struggling with, a, with the word I'm looking for, but the, the best, the best way I can describe it from my own perspective is, you know, you come up to us often and say, hey, guys, what should we do here? What should we do there? We have yeah. this, we have that. And ask our opinions and randomly one day you were like, hey, we need a 40-gallon beer to release this day. And I was like, oh, how about a Dunkelweizen? You were like, yes, absolutely. How about a yeah. Yes. You yeah. List, would, yeah. We I, know as employees that what we say matters and that you don't yeah. just say, yeah, how about a Dunkelweizen? Yeah. Oh, we're doing a stout instead, though. Yeah. Fuck and, you, and, you know. and so now, when, <laughs> yeah. when I go, hey, good idea. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. 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 <laughs> good, good idea, a.k.a. it sucks. I'm going to steal that one don't myself, talk, yeah. son. Don't talk anymore when I ask you questions. <laughs> but, you know, to this day, I can walk out right now in our brewery and see a Dunkelweizen on tap. And every time I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Like, that's really cool. My opinion mattered, and that's a really good feeling to give to customers, employees, anybody. They're all going to recognize that. Yeah, and what happens is everyone then feels ownership mm-hmm. of the place. I've had, I mean, one of the things like it'll like seriously bring me to tears to talk about is when we have customers that sit at the bar, and when someone else comes in, starts to talk. And yep. we have a couple people, and maybe it embarrass them to say it, so I won't say their names. But oh, I wanted to. Whenever, whenever they say, whenever they say, we, I get a customer to say like, yeah, we we brewed a beer last week. Yep. I'm like, I'm like, like seriously, like move me to tears to think that someone could feel so a part of that that they will use like a plural possessive pronoun. If, yeah, they in are other words, like they they are, part of they are totally business. a part of the business. Yeah. And they feel good when we succeed, and they feel bad when we fail. And they feel I mean, it. man, they, they, I mean, yeah, I mean, it is, it is like such an emotional thing for me to talk about. Um, it, it, was, it was almost overwhelming for me, at least initially, when I would talk to, when I would talk to our regulars. And, I, of course, you know, it's immediately you get to know the majority of them, and they're all awesome. But, you know, they, they would come in, and that's what scared me. I was just like, wow, it's not just the owner, the employee's. You know what I mean? That that I have to have an expectation for these guys. You know, like they have so much involved in it that I was like, 
I can't fail, you know, and you're leaving. And I'm like, that's so, that's such a big thing to take on. And I was super intimidated at first. Oh man, well, I hope, I hope not. Yeah, no, yeah. no, no, not anymore. Now, now I feel oh, much good. better. Oh, good. You know, I got to know, but just initially that was like a small mountain for me to get over, which I, now I find absolutely awesome. That's I cool, love, man. Yeah, that's I cool. I love people that are that engaged and they're that easy to talk to. And it, it is very cool. I'm cool. I'm glad you feel that way. And again, again, another thing, a whole other chapter is dealing with employees. And here's, and here's again, a lot of times in your career, you find out a ways not to do things and then you apply it later in terms of how you want to do things. And one of those things for me is um, you have to train people. Like if, if this is your expectation, you have to train them to do your expectation. That's number one. But when it comes to their actual job, you have to let them do it. If they do their job, then you say, great job, here's a raise. If they don't do their job, you say you're fired. And that's it. You don't micromanage them. You don't do their job hover, for them. Hover you, say, over. Yeah. you say, here's your job. If you do it, great job. Here's a raise. If you don't do it, you're fired. And there's nothing personal about that. It's just the fact that, hey, it didn't work out. Yeah. You know, whatever. Um, at the time you pe- stress people have out, a, micromanaging. You yeah, know, exactly. You end up making them crumble just Let from the pressure. Let me do my job kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. I got this, bean. <laughs> Again. Abracadabra, <laughs> <laughs> Abracadabra. <laughs> What's that from? Half fate. Abracadabra. I've seen that movie Abracadabra, a thousand times. Yo. Abracadabra, Abracadabra B. B. At the very end of the movie, they're in uh, the wow. guy's lair. Uh, hold yeah. on. Um, and the cops oh. are high in the van. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Good give stuff? Me is that so much Mr. Nice guy, guy, Mr. Nice Guy? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I've seen that movie a thousand times. Abracadabra, yeah. I'm from Abracadabra. Jamaica, right near the beach. Boy. Lord of mercy. Lord of mercy. That's great. <laughs> yeah, one of my favorites of all time. So so let's talk. Well, we got, we're at an hour and a half, so we, let's talk for about just a few more minutes because I do, if you've hung with us this time, I do want to put in my soapbox for difference between being competitive and enjoying competition. Um, which first, we, had a, we had a brief discussion we, on that. We, which, we did. Which you you, we you did. threw out a lot of valid points, and I, which I did not consider, so kudos. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll start the conversation with this. So I lived, baseball instruction was my business for a long time at least in the off-season, baseball, baseball instruction, everything from the front office and minor league baseball all the way down to the field. So two summers I went out and coached summer collegiate baseball. So summer collegiate baseball is one of the purest forms of the game. So the, the kids come, they don't get paid, but they're essentially like college all-stars. So my team was in Butler, Pennsylvania, which nobody here understands. They think Butler is the college, right? Mm-hmm. So Butler, yeah. Pennsylvania is actually a town outside of Pittsburgh. Um, it's not um, – well, I, whatever. It's – Quick question. Yeah. Does that, is, does that have any tie-in to the Indianapolis Indians being the lower level of the Pittsburgh Pirates? No, no okay. tie-in. No. Okay. So, so summer, collegiate, summer collegiate baseball back in the day used to really only have a couple of venues okay. where like the super uber high prospects would go. So okay. Cape Cod League is the most famous. The Alaskan Baseball League is maybe like the second. And then there was a couple other you know fledgling leagues, uh, the Jayhawk League, which is, of course, Kansas area, and so on and so forth. Well, nowadays... What happened was the Northwoods League came along. Northwoods League is Minnesota, like the tip, like a little bit of Canada, uh, Wisconsin, and now they have like a team in Michigan, maybe two teams in Michigan now, Kalamazoo and Battle Creek. And so massive league, and they started making the league essentially like minor league baseball. So you have minor league baseball schedule. These kids play like 63 games. They play every night of the week. Jeez. They have all the mascots, except they don't have any of the regulations. So minor league baseball where it's like you only have 90 seconds in between innings. you got to get on and off with all your contests. Well, this is just totally, hey, we'll take five minutes if we want to. We'll you know, take over the field. Let the, kid, my, the, the team that I played on, maybe it's changed since 2002 or three or whenever I was up in, with the uh, Wisconsin Woodchucks. Wausau, Wisconsin. 
uh, but they would play music like in between pitches. So every time you caught the ball, <laughs> they'd like turn the music on and play. I, I I one time hit a ball and heard the announcer like over the loudspeakers go get out of here ball like they would like talk during <laughs> the game. Uh, we were at so in Madison, Madison. So uh, University of Wisconsin doesn't have a baseball team. So Madison has a team called the Mallards. The Madison Mallards are the best drawing summer collegiate team in the country. They draw more fans per game than 50% of minor league baseball. Wow. Almost as many fans per game as the Indians. Of course, they only have like 30, 35 home games. So one of the things in this area is there's also a lot of drinkers. So At baseball? Really? Yeah. No, <laughs> Mad- so Madison being a pretty happening party town you know during the summertime especially there would do beer batters so what they do is they look at the lineup and go well this guy has a lot of strikeouts he's going to be the beer batter of the game every time that guy comes up if he strikes out beer's a dollar for the rest of the inning so you can imagine how those fans treat that batter when he comes to the plate man that's so i was the beer batter in madison in front of about 6,500 people at times and literally uh, fouled off the first pitch, and the announcer, like, over the loudspeakers going, come on, Jason, you're not going to make any friends that way. Oh, oh wow. Gosh. Like, talking during my at-bat, like, as the, pitchers, as the pitcher starts to wind up, he, over the loudspeaker, he's going, we want beer. Oh. We want beer. Holy shit. shit. Yeah. Seriously. And then when I, like, put it, like, I ground it out or something, and everyone starts booing. Boo! Yeah. Holy. It's, it's so. That's rough yeah and, so and you were a field goal kicker how do you have any confidence <laughs> no man it's like, no no i mean <laughs> like, that's it's brutal like, it's hard dude I'm, that's why we have you know we're talking about put your armor on you have to man it's a business seriously. owners if you want to be able to do it was a good lesson like growing i, I can't imagine not having not going through those experiences and deal with it and like even this week we had people like getting on my facebook bitching about one thing or another and it, that even fires me up. And I'm like, man, if I hadn't gone through the experiences of, like, the Madison, yeah. of the field goal kicking and being yelled at and all that stuff, like, man, I can't even imagine dealing with that. But the point of the story is that that's the history, the brief history of Summer League Baseball. So I was out in Butler, and I put my team together. And um, now I'm not going to remember where I went with this Butler, story. Butler, Pennsylvania, team. Competitiveness. Summer League. Oh, competitive. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So Keep you guys on track. So, yeah, so. thanks, Joel. Yeah. Any, what are we going to do without you? Abracadabra. No, we're going to have to get Courtney or someone in here to nah. take notes for she us. She has a face yeah. for radio. <laughs> It's a good thing you're leaving. I would put my money on her. No offense. Yeah. <laughs> oh, snap. Oh, That's snap. Stripper joke. So, no. So, here, here's the story I'll, I'll close with with a little bit of discussion as appeals to the difference team being competitive and enjoying competition. Is that I had a catcher from Seton Hall University. Um, it doesn't matter what his name was again, but he was big dude and i think had experienced success for a lot of time in his career and he's sort of on the comp on, on the um sort of edge of being a professional catcher and the fact that all he really needed to do was hit like if he could catch he could throw if he could just hit a little bit he could be a high level catcher with the chance to make the major leagues and this was just a miserable human being all summer because he stunk he could not hit and there was one point where i took him in for early work um that's just in baseball, essentially, before batting practice, you drag guys in um, for a little private time, call it early work. So I bring this kid in for early work, 
and he's hitting off the tee or front flip or whatever it is. I don't even remember. And he's just a mess of emotion, so pissed off, like wants to break the bat over his knee. And he's a massive human being. I mean, he's got to weigh 230 pounds of pure muscle. And finally, I just said, I just said hey, why do you even play? Like, why do you even play baseball? And for someone at that level, like, it sounds like an absurd question. You're not having fun. Yeah, but I mean, I said, like, why do you play? And he goes, well, what do you mean? And I was like, no, no, seriously, let's have a discussion for five minutes. Why do you play the game of baseball? And he said, well, because I love it. And that is, again, right on the script, right? Right on the script. Mm-hmm. It's because he's gone this far in his life and put this much effort in. Of course, that's what he's going to say. I'll be taking care of you this evening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. So I said, I said, no, not good enough. What do you love about the game of baseball? Why are you playing it? What about it do you love? And he goes, well, you know, I like to get hits or hit home runs. And I stopped him. And I said, there's the difference. Do you like baseball or do you like being good at baseball that is a big big difference and that's where you start to see the line being crossed is that these kids they don't enjoy the game they don't enjoy competition and you know what competition is competition is losing mm-hmm. a lot absolutely and in baseball you look at the standings right now guarantee you who's the best team in baseball one of the best teams in baseball any of them? Can you name in the top Cubs? five? Yankees. The Cubs are not. Yan- Damn it. Yankees yeah. are up. Yankees are up there. The Cardinals are up there, and I can guarantee you, neither of them have a 600 winning percentage. I don't think. Maybe I'm wrong. So, in other words, those best teams in baseball are winning like 58, 55 percent of the time. In other words, they're losing 40, 45 percent of the time. So, the point. The point of that is. Baseball, especially, you know, domination doesn't look the same as it does in any other sport. Like the Patriots can go sixteen and zero; they win every single game. Sixteen games, as opposed to as opposed to one hundred and sixty-two. Yeah, and baseball is such a hard sport, man, that the bounces just don't go your way sometimes. Yep. So, it, but I think that's really more of a metaphorical standpoint of life in general. And when you come to all these kids playing these games, like I think you need to teach the enjoyment of competition. Yes. Now, does that mean everyone gets a trophy? Maybe not. But you need, you know. But it's okay to allow kids do like the hey two four six eight. Let's go eat ice cream after the game. It doesn't mean that you have to like. It doesn't mean you have to be like you lost. You yeah. are terrible. You are awful human beings. Failures. Now at the yeah. end of the at the end of the game, does everyone need to go home with something? Maybe, I mean, I don't know. Maybe not. Who cares? Like, yeah. Like I think I think that even on the flip side is even worse. Like if you're teaching your kid, if you go home with the trophy, you are a winner. If you don't go home with the trophy, you're a loser. Yeah. Like that is an equally bad lesson. How how in because, the grand scheme of things, how important is that trophy at all? Who gives like a it, shit? Exactly. Do, you, do you really have your trophy from like eighth grade? Yeah, exactly. Whatever? It's going to get lost in a box, and you're never going to see it. And yeah, exactly. Yep. And that's part of the problem is that some of these coaches even on the amateur level, and it's easy for me to say because I've been to a professional level. I mean, not the highest professional level, but certainly a professional level. Yeah. That, you know, I've seen just way too many baseball games in my day. But the point of, but the point of it is, you know, that you got to learn how to be even keel. Yes. Like, enjoy your successes, but, but successes only feel good when you're used to dealing with when you have the, the the feeling of losing. Yes. But the feeling of losing does not mean that life is over. The feeling of losing is just another experience, just like anything else. Like you should that that's part of competition. That's what I'm trying to say. Is that Absolutely. Competition is winning and losing. Competition is almost like if you remember 
um, anything about your athletic career or academic career or anything, the, the fulfillment at the end of the win is only feels good because of the strife that you went through to get there. Absolutely. And, and, and certainly the, the degree of the bad feeling of losing is also equal to that strife. But it shouldn't be, but it shouldn't, you know, certainly you shouldn't like deflect that feeling, okay? It's okay to sort of like mourn your losses. Again, yeah. I'm not saying like don't feel bad about losing. I'm just saying like enjoy the competition, man. That is Absolutely. part of the enjoyment of competition that it is hard. If you cannot enjoy things that are hard, enjoy them because they are hard. Yeah. You know, for instance, um, it's something as simple as like playing Madden football on whatever or any video game. I destroy you, Joel and Madden. Well, what I'm trying to say is, like, is that fun? Is that fun for you to win, like, 70 to zero? I, I feel bad after a little while. I, I don't I, feel I, – I mean, I, I mean, sure, you don't feel bad, but it's like – but it's like, would it be more fun to kick a field goal at the end of the game and then feel like you won? Yes. Or have a really – but and, and then the, the, art, the art of having a really good game and yeah. just barely losing or yeah. it coming down to the final seconds or having it being a tight match or the idea of – I'll give you one more example in my life, something that took me back where I felt like I was really on the wrong. I was playing at Michigan um, baseball, and we were playing a rival. I believe it was Michigan State. So it was a rival for us. Ninth inning, close game, bases loaded. I go out to the mound, and our pitcher looks at me, and he's like, man, this is fun, isn't it? And I just remember thinking, like, what? (laughs) Fun? But then, man, that was such a poignant moment for me because when you think about – Growing up anywhere, and I don't care if you are athletic or not, or played yeah. athletics or whatever. When you when you when you have a moment where you're imagining or fantasizing in the backyard about some athletic moment, we've all had something, right? Whether I don't maybe I don't know, maybe it's not athletic, maybe it's something different. But when you fantasize about it, you don't ever go. And we're up seventy to zero. Yeah. And there's a long bomb, and we win seventy seven to zero. No, it's always a close moment. And they're the right on the shot. free throw line, or yeah, like yeah, throw it, yeah. And see, before even the final out or the final free throw or the final whatever that's what you fantasize you fantasize about the moment you don't mm-hmm. fantasize about winning you don't go you don't go oh we skipped to the end and we won like the fantasy is not the winning the fantasy is not the losing the fantasy is is the competition absolutely at the end that that the enjoyment of the competition is way different than the competitive oh i lost my life is over yeah. or i won and i'm way better than you both sides are equally as unhealthy yes and that's where amateur coaches get caught in that and Absolutely. they're trying to get like their big coaching victory over Burger King or, or whatever. Yeah, or a you, know, bonus you know, like, or, you know some I, like who cares? You're yeah. you're coaching twelve year olds. Yeah, you know. I, I feel like there's a few things to be said for that. Um, you know, first and foremost, uh, sportsmanship is huge to me. You know, you you always have to you have to know how to win. You have to know how to lose respectfully. Because at the end of the day, it's just a game. Like you said, coaching, blah, blah. It is just a game, and we're all out there to have a good time and for a good competition. And, and, I, and you know what? And that's why I said that is because I, I, mean, I think you're wrong. I think people aren't out there to have a good time. Unfortunately, you're I, right. I think that people, and, people that nowadays, they, they're teaching kids that you can only have. And that's where and I that's think. Sad. And that's where I think, like, that, that's where the pushback is the, the people who are on the opposite side who I think are, are equally as wrong. Maybe not equally as wrong, but the pushback is everyone should get 
um, a participation trophy or medal. Yeah, that and, kills and, me. But 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 that's the, the reason there is that is because that's the answer to we can only have a good time. We can only feel good if we win. So when you have people that say we can only feel good if we win, the pushback of is well, every, everyone everyone gets a trophy. Yeah, and Which it's is, you know what, and and I think I think it's probably more unhealthy, honestly, to tell kids that they can only have a good time if they win than it yeah, is to give everyone. Um, because then you have kids. It's like again, we talked about this. Like my daughter's like, "Are you going to race you to the bedroom?" Yeah. But if I get out ahead of her, she starts like crying. Yeah. I'm like, "What the hell?" I mean, like, why are you crying over like a jogging to your bedroom? Gives a shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, "Oh, what am I distilling? You know, what am I putting into well, her?" Like, yeah, that, that's, you know, that's like you're only and then and then she wins and she's super happy and I'm just like, "Oh, that's equally sort of no." That's and that's bad. a whole different perspective, which I can only imagine. I guess the other side of the spectrum is is not only sports is is obvious to break this down but i feel like in in you know in life in general not to sound cheesy but without experiencing losing or loss or failure especially you could win all day every day and it's going to lose meaning completely you're not going to be able to appreciate that to to bask and to fully enjoy it without knowing what the flip side of that coin is and if you can experience loss or failure whatever you want to say if you can experience that to its fullest and take it for what it is and appreciate it and, and use that for, you know, for motivation, then when you get to that victory or whatever you want to achieve, then it's, then you can fully feel that. It's, yeah, you know, yeah. You have I, to feel failure to appreciate success. Right. I, I had someone who told me, I think wisely so one time, and I wish I could quote the source, but it was, it was, it's not about deflecting emotion. It's about allowing it to pass through you. So you, you embrace it, but you also let it go. Yes. You know what I mean? So if you, if you deflect it, you never really get a chance, whether it's grief or mm-hmm. whether it's loss or whether it's just disappointment or whether it is, if you allow it to kind of just, you feel it, but you just let it pass through you. And that is super easy to say when I have no context to it, right? True. But you learn from it too. You're right. And yeah. that's the big and that, thing. Yeah. And that is, and again, that's way more heavy than warily I'm going with this. But yeah. the, the whole point of the thing is, is that whenever you, and here's things I want I want parents or anyone to consider when they're listening to this. If you have kids, if you have a business, this also relates. Is that oh, not a hundred years? Of course, we'll all be you know passed away by then. But you know, thirty, forty years from now, when we're sitting around, if we have like a podcast, like, hey, get back together with the podcast, right? Are we going to sit down and talk about like how much money we made? Are we going to sit down and talk about like you know our our like the how much money we have in the bank or something. No, we're going to be like, hey, do you remember the time we had like the big disaster in the brew house? Do you remember the time that we had the great victory and that beer turned out amazing? you remember the time that it's all about the, like, you know, what you were, the lasting impression is, is the difficulties, the ups and downs and, and go, getting through it together. That's the essence of team. The essence of team isn't like lose together, win together. Like, oh, those words just drive me crazy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, together, it's the idea it that you, you compete together. You enjoy the competition. And in competition is both loss and failure. True. And on a micro level and then also on the end of the game level. Because I definitely believe at the end of the game you could feel like, hey, man, we put it all out there and we weren't the better team. Yeah. And at the same time, you could feel like, hey, we didn't put it all out there and we should have done better. But that doesn't mean, you know, like you should, you know, you should like go home and start punching yourself in the face or something like that. It just means you learn from it. And that is, um, anyway, my main rant on sort of the idea of enjoying competition. You know, if, if you don't enjoy, um, literally, and you know, maybe it's hyperbole, but you always have to enjoy the failures too. Enjoy the fact that you screwed up and then enjoy the process.
forcing it. Okay. And that it is hard. If everything comes easy, I think that's where you see child celebrities and celebrities in general. And people calling it big. Because everything comes too easy. You don't appreciate the money. You don't appreciate the fame. You don't appreciate education. You don't appreciate anything. Everything is just commonplace. When you have the struggle, when you have difficulties, when you have obstacles you have to overcome, you do overcome them. Those are the things that we still talk about, reminisce about. That's the awesome thing, Better, the, the stiffer competition you face is going to bring more of the best out in yourself. Which is why we put it on all Madden. Right? You, don't, you, don't, you don't play the game on rookie level or whatever, go. right? Yep, yep. As soon as you're ready, what do you do? You crank it up. You yeah. want it to be harder. Yep. I don't turn it on like 100% completion rate or whatever, you know, yeah, which you can do nowadays, but not. Yeah. Everything competes. Auto aim? Yeah. You don't turn it on auto yeah. aim. Because what's auto win? What is the point at the end of the day? Might as well just watch a video on it on that point. Exactly. Not right. a regular football game. Well, we're going to wrap it up. 150 in. I want to thank Joel. Thank you very much. You had a, only really a brief four-episode cameo, I guess. I but it will stick in the minds of the listeners. It will. When we get back together again, we will talk about it for sure. We love you, Joel. Fun times. You guys are not going to see the last of me, so <laughs> haunt your dreams. Don't worry. Party on, Joel. Party on, Garth. Party on, guys. And we'll Party see you next time on Nano Brew. Till next time. <laughs>